You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. And with our exclusive prospect engagement program, we deliver up to 23 warm prospects to each of our advertisers each year. To learn more, contact Rose Chamora, 951-515-4661. All right, as promised before the break, Dr. Chip Espinoza is here. He's a returning guest. We had him on earlier to talk about his original book, at least in this series, Managing the Millennials. And now we're talking about his second book, The uh, Millennials at Work, The Seven Skills Every 20-Something Needs to Know to Overcome Roadblocks and Achieve Greatness. Chip, welcome back to the show. It's great to be back. Thanks for the invitation. So for those of you who maybe didn't hear the first interview we did with you, tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, your experience, what you're doing. Well, one of the reasons I got interested in this, uh, I'm a university professor teaching management theory and practice, and I noticed a difference between my students in the 90s and the 2000s. In the 90s, you'd hand out a syllabus first day of class. They'd just put it in their backpack, never look at it. In the 2000s, they'd take it out, get a red pen, get their attorney on the line, and go line by line through it. And okay. They'd have questions like, well, 10 to 12-page midterm is 10 pages a C, is 12 pages an A. Oh, my God. So with this generation, I loved them. i got to tell you this. I, I, was, I really enjoyed it, but to them, everything was negotiable. So syllabus was just a starting point okay. for a discussion. Did they ever come back and say, you know, my parents said on this syllabus. <laughs> exactly. Well, what's funny about it, so then I noticed in companies I was working in, organizations, there was some tension between generations. And so I said, I wonder if this is kind of pervasive out there. And so I did the research for managing the millennials, you know, which showed there's some intrinsic values that millennials have that um, caused them to be perceived a certain way by managers. Right. So when that came out, you know, all of a sudden I had companies calling me and saying, hey, come and help us. And almost every time they said, well, do you have anything for the millennials themselves? And I said, well, yeah, I, I'm thinking about it, but it stands to reason. You know, I observed a phenomenon in the first book to say, okay, tension in the workplace, what's going on intergenerationally here? Right. And kind of drilled it down in my research to a theory. So then I stopped and I said, well, if millennials are perceived a certain way in the workplace, starting with, you know, a theory, could I observe a solution? And mm. so that's what millennials at work is. It's saying, okay, here's the perceptions, whether whether they're true or not. doesn't right. matter right. because they create a reality. Right. And so perceptions like being entitled, yeah. abrasive, informed, all these different things, defensive. So in their treat a certain way, then they face roadblocks. And sure enough, that came out in the research. So. You said you did research. How long did you do the research? Research took me uh, about a year and a half. Okay. And I did it with 750 professional millennials. Wow. So one of the things, that I, Richard, that I love about my work is that, you know, I hear a lot of programs. You read a lot of stuff. It's a discussion about millennials. And my, my commitment is to have a discussion with millennials. And so one of the things I'm finding is traction with that population to go, this isn't just some guy out there attacking us. This isn't somebody just kind of making up all this generalization, but sitting down and having a conversation with them. So I had like 750 working professionals from around the world is international, 
probably about 50 companies represented in that. Hmm. And what was fascinating, when we do research, there's something that's called, you know, where, where you have theoretical saturation. And it, it, within 100 interviews, I was seeing common themes in the roadblocks. Okay. That's classic. Well, let's get let's get in a little bit more in the content of the book. So our audience, our CEOs, the running middle market for lower middle market firms, $100 million, $2 million, that kind of range. I, our demographics suggest that most of them are the baby boomer age bracket, you know, 45 to kind of 65. Right. So why... What would they learn from reading your newest book, Millennials at Work? Well, I think they would be able to immediately see where millennials are challenged, where they're frustrated. Okay. okay. And so to understand that, you could really step in and help them through specific things. For instance, one of their biggest, number one thing, they realize they lack experience. So the number one challenge they face and profess to chase is, I have a lack of experience. And what does that get in the way of? It gets in the way of opportunities for them. And so if you know that about them, sometimes their lack of patience is the result of understanding. They just don't have the experience to get what they want out of work. So you come alongside them. You go, hey, let's help you get the experience. You know, just sit tight. Career development will put you on a track. We'll cross-train you. All this kind of stuff. Um, what about introducing them to a mentor? Absolutely. To help yeah, with their... That, that is, matter of fact, I'm doing a mentoring conference uh, at University of New Mexico this fall, really, to talk about okay. this work. Okay. But, yeah, absolutely, mentoring. And what I'm finding in that literature, Richard, is in, in, interesting, is that somebody to learn with. Not necessarily somebody has expert right. advice right. that we build this relationship and you dump it into me, but somebody that's really playful and doesn't mind being challenged or questioned. More like a collaborative effort than a traditional mentor-mentee kind of an idea. Okay, that's interesting. Because having held a couple seminars on where I facilitated successfully managing millennials in the workplace, one of the things that, that I think I've learned from that conversation is that they're not going to change. It's 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 not like we look at these and, and everything right. that they do that we don't that what we perceive is different than us is only a function of their lack of uh, uh, seniority time and right. right and that sooner or later they'll yeah. come around. I mean these are these are these are hardwired uh, characteristics of this generation. A- a- absolutely, absolutely. Now the one thing that I do say to them though, you can imagine, my, one of my first calls was to go do a conference. This guy read my book, Managing the Millennials, and said, "Hey, come and tell our crowd." how millennials are perceived. And I said, well, how many are there? And he says, 100. And I said, what are their ages? He said, they're all millennials. I said, what, you want me to get shot? (laughs) And he says, no, they need to hear this. And so the fascinating thing is, you're right, but the one thing I challenge them is that you may be perceived this way. You may have these values. We... I, I personally believe the people with the most maturity have to adapt first in a situation. Right, right. However, I tell millennials, if you want more responsibility you'll be willing to adapt. Okay. And so there is a role for them. There is a place. I'll give you a good example. Number one, one of the best things I could ever give an advice to a millennial, show appreciation when somebody does something nice for you. Don't take it for granted. Okay. Most everybody in your life up to this point has been for you. And they do things for you, not expecting you to thank them. But you get into the workplace and a boss says, hey, why don't you accompany me on this sales meeting? And you go, and you don't say, hey, thanks for that opportunity. Right, I really learned something. Thanks for what you taught me. you got to do that. Right. Wow. I think, though, that there are some qualities that I have heard through these seminars and your books that um, 
that millennials possess some amount of qualities that I think are superior to the baby boomers. I, I, my sense is things matter more to them about the quality of the work that they do, the purpose of the work that they do, the purpose of the company that they work for. They almost have a higher expectation of why am I doing this work than maybe many baby boomers who were happy to get the job and just work, work, work. No, I, I, I agree. And sometimes get taken advantage of. And, and guess what? I have a theory on that. Okay. It's not really my theory. It's Maslow's theory. Yes. If you look at builders who entered the workforce during the Depression, they went to work. Their motivation was just to provide food, clothing, Survive. and shelter. Right. When boomers came on the scene, expanding economy, growth of you know disposable income, they wanted belonging. They wanted titles. They wanted a place. Today, when millennials come in the workforce, they're at the top of Maslow's hierarchy. Wow. They want meaning. All the other needs are satisfied. Exactly right. right. Wow. And so you look at it and you go, this makes sense why a builder would say, I don't understand why a paycheck's not enough to motivate them. Right? Mm-hmm. And for the millennial, go, well, it just isn't. I want more. Is it your opinion that by blending the traditionals, builders that are left in the workforce with baby boomers, with Generation X, and figuring out how to capitalize on these new skills and talents of the millennials, that a middle market company is going to be even more successful? I I don't think the size really matters. I think it's the commitment to it. Okay. I think that any organization, whether it's a mom-and-pop real estate office or it is a Fortune 50 company, if you commit yourself to create relationships between the generations, make that important to understand one another and understand that we can create environments where all generations can thrive, Right. I think anybody can be successful with this. I, I, I see it all the time. I see people that are 80 years old in companies who are phenomenal at working with millennials. Mm. And you'll find millennials who can't manage other millennials. So a lot of this has to do with a commitment <laughs> to relationship and right. a commitment to hear each other. Now, here's, here's the most important thing. This is what makes everything successful is that I think what we're having is a greater tra- one of the greatest transfer of knowledge in the history of the world between boomers because of these large birth cohorts right. in the next 10 years. And, and it's tacit knowledge. It's, it's knowledge that's learned through a lifetime, through work, experience. And, if, and tacit knowledge only gets transferred through relationship. So if you have a breakdown in relationship, that's the competitive advantage. That's the investment that organizations will lose if they don't prioritize this. We're talking with Dr. Chip Espinoza. He's a professor and author of Millennials at Work, as well as uh, the book before that in the series, Managing the Millennials. We're going to take a short commercial time out here on Critical Mass Radio Show, and we're going to come back and talk more about his latest book after these words from our sponsors. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top 10 universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. 
For more information, visit us at www.svnonline.com. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. Dr. Chip Espinoza, professor and author of Millennials at Work, is our guest for this segment. But before we get back to the interview, I want to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 16,000 shows during the last 30 days, and we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live exclusively on octalkradio.net, as well as rebroadcast on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, and hundreds of business websites where our former guests have put the player on their website so that people could hear their interview on Critical Mass Radio Show. Let's talk about respect. In, in your research in both books, what do you find are some ways that senior executives and millennials can build mutual respect? Well, I think, first of all, they need to prioritize building a relationship. And I think I've asked this frequently to say, doesn't every generation kind of have a problem with the next generation coming along? Isn't this all the same thing? Yeah. Right? Well, to some degree it is. It's called demographic metabolism. Every time an older generation goes out and a new one comes in, there's there's opportunity for tension. Why I think this is very different to some degree or unique is that the millennial is the first generation who has not needed an authority figure to access information. So they don't have a felt need to build a relationship with authority like previous generations. Matter of fact, an authority figure may be the last place they go <laughs> for an answer. And so, you know, people that are do older dis- sitting back... Do wait. they distrust authority figures in business? No, Does I, your research su- I don't think so. Okay. No, not so they're all. not biased against it. I think just, it's just a matter of... The, it, this is they don't of, need it. It's a, yeah, it's a stalemate because then you have a generation of managers out there who don't think it's their responsibility to initiate a relationship with a subordinate. Mm. So they're waiting for their subordinate to come talk to them, ask them questions. Yeah. And when they don't Seek come, knowledge. the manager goes, they must think I'm an idiot or yeah. I'm antiquated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what happens is you have this kind of this generation that doesn't know how to reach up and a generation that doesn't know how to reach out. And so what happens is we kind of mind read each other. Millennials get this. They know one of the biggest uh, challenges that they stated was miscommunication with older workers. Hmm. They knew that about themselves. Right. And so one of the things in the book I talk about, for them, a strategy, a skill, uh, Richard, if you contacted me and, and if you called me, then the way I would respond to you was with a phone call. Okay. If you texted me, I would text you back. If you email me, because we primarily communicate in our favorite mode of communication. Right. So I'm saying to a millennial, if you want to build a relationship, however you're communicated with, 
communicate in that same style until you build the relationship where there's a comfort to communicate in different ways. There's one thing I hear over and over from managers is these people can't pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's more expedient to text. They, you know, in the book we show these statistics. They don't even like to email. You know, it's texting basically. Right. So one of the things for them is that. Now, for somebody who's a manager or a, a person in the company has responsibility who's older, one of the things I say to them to build this relationship, let's suspend the bias of your own experience. That's hard. It is hard. But stop and don't say, this is the way I did it or we did it. What's or, wrong with you? Exactly. Right. And, and, and compare them all the time to something they have no clue about. Right. So if you say, if I suspend that bias and I go, okay, what, what do I need to do to change, to connect with them, to build a relationship, then we find out, hey, you know, there's, there's actually things that we can do. Okay, so your first book, Managing Millennials, targeted to the senior executives, presidents of firms to understand how to discover the core competencies for managing today's workforce. Your new book is really written for the millennials to, to help them with seven skills that they, they, exactly. can, they can learn to be successful. So are these two books seem like a perfect complement for a family business where maybe mom and dad are boomers and the right. children are millennials. I mean, have you seen that? I, I think Would you so. recommend them Boy, you to hit, read the you, book? You hit the nail on the head. I get asked so many times after I speak, particularly by a family businesses who say, we're looking at handing the business off, but we're, we're afraid. Right. They don't seem to have the same values we have, and that scares us. And so it, it would be incredible for both of them to read it and sit down and have a discussion. Right. And, and then read each other's book. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right. So get a better, get a third party view. Well, of, that's the funny thing about millennials at work, though it's written for millennials. Managers are, they, they're going, they love it. So when does a millennial, when does that generation stop being, when are new kids being born no longer millennials? Well, Chip? right now we're looking at anybody born after 2001. Uh, okay. They're referred to as Gen Z, IY. Homeland generation. So, so th- there hasn't been a term that's been agreed to for it's that. It's not way. landed yet. And matter of okay. fact, you know, when we're, we're talking millennial a lot here, but when they first came on the scene, the, the probably the term that was most used was Gen Y. Right. Because yeah. we had Gen X. Right. Right. And then Y. Okay. So that's still out there, but millennials is a much right. more splashy kind of thing. For what it's, it's kicked in in, you know, 21st century. It, they own it. Okay. So is it too young yet to look at anything in the 2001 group? Oh, I don't think so. I think there's some good work that's starting to, to be done out there. Okay, because they're now teens, young exactly. teens, right? Exactly. Okay, so they, they're not quite in the workforce yet, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how much different than the millennials they are. Yeah, I think what we're going to see, maybe a, a little swing to be a little more conservative. Wow. Maybe. <laughs> you never know. It's like a pendulum. Yeah. It's like a, not a pendulum, but it's like a circle, right? Because yeah. we're... Our, our, the generation that precedes the baby boomers, traditionals, right. builders, whatever, they, weren't they a little more conservative? Yeah, absolutely. So it, are we going back to our to our grandparents <laughs> well, and we'll, our grandkids? Well, you know what? There's there's a great book out there called, I think it's called uh, The Fourth Turning by Strauss and Howe. And these guys are demographers. And they've mapped out generations for the last 250 years. Uh-huh. And they believe that a generation repeats itself every fourth generation. Well, they Okay, that's it. So see, you're, so you're that, ahead. That, 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 well, that proves it, though, because you have Gen X. and Right. Wow, excellent. I'm going to have – you said that was the fourth turning? The fourth turning, great fourth book. Turning. Okay. It, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating read. So what do you – how do you use the knowledge that and the research in your first two books to help a hiring manager successfully hire millennials? Let me start with what I teach millennials. 
is learn how to talk to adults. Okay. There are adults, though. They are, but authority figures or people. Okay. Are, I'll give you a story. Old people. A young man that was out on the green putting. I, I like to play golf, and he's practicing. He's probably 12. And he's walking around, stopping to talk to people and then putting. And he finally gets to me. And I said, Daniel, you're practicing your putting. And he says, no, I'm practicing talking to adults. Wow. And he was trying to get comfortable with that. So for millennials, I would say the people that get promoted, the people that get hired, the people that get the opportunities are the people that managers believe they can trust. Well, how can you trust somebody you can't have a conversation with? Right. Okay, so from the millennial perspective, make it, practice it, it speaking to authority figures and being comfortable in your conversation. When it comes to a manager, I would, I would caution to say just because somebody has a conversation with you, right. you might be passing up a lot of skill out there of millennials who don't have that competency or who are not as good at that. And so what I would do is I would give them special projects. I would give them, you know, things to go fix. You know, show me how to do this process a better way. Okay. And that's how you can identify. I also believe that, you know, when, when we look at training is that there are different theories. You know, like when you're promoting people, uh, you have the draft board theory to say, okay, all of us as managers get in the room, we see pictures on the wall, and we pick them and we promote them. And then there's another one that that says, okay, let's provide opportunities, and people will self-select to move forward. And one of the ways, I think, to identify the high-performing millennials Mm -hmm. is create opportunities that they can self-select to do. Okay, without assigning them to it. Yeah. Okay, so do you think, and we're talking with Dr. Chip Espinoza, professor and author of multiple books, but the one we're talking about is Millennials at Work. Do you see the millennials as they are now becoming managers, uh, redefining business, the way business is done, or or going back to the traditional things that baby boomers and Gen Xers are doing? I mean, do you think the business will change based on the preponderance at some point of millennials in the workforce? I think there are business fundamentals that aren't going to change, but I think the way we do business will change, and I think we've already seen that happen. One of the things they do is they really want to blend work and life. Yes. So this idea... And rightfully so, thank you very much. Well, in today's today's world with technology, you know, why can't you do that? And so... Well, but I look at some of the boomers and I think, man, some of us... Uh, present company excluded, but worked so hard for the man that th- right. there wasn't really a reciprocal relationship there. I think millennials are smarter about that than we were. Right. Yeah, and they, and absolutely. They, they should have work-life balance all the way through, not right. at the end when you retire, then you get your work-life back or your balance. They should right. have balance all the way through. Yeah, exactly. Or at least, or, or what's funny is they don't, but here's the thing, Richard, they don't mind working 24-7. Really? If they can access their private life during work, They'll access work during their private life. Okay. They don't mind doing that. It's just when the lines are drawn, and that's where they have a struggle. Wow. Because I think, uh, personally speaking, that here, at least in North America, the U.S., we're leaving uh, the millennials a lot of pretty thorny challenges to figure out. Oh, man. Whether it's debt at a federal level, a state level, a government level, a personal level, the environment. We're leaving them a lot of things that they're going to have to be very creative to fix. Yeah, I've I've stayed out of the social political realm of discussion a lot, um, but I have been concerned that nobody seems to be caring about that topic, about 
student debt. Yes. About Social Security, all these things. Matter of fact, I was on on a, a call the other day with um, President Obama's pollster that he had in Chicago, and then got uh-huh. him into the White House. And they're upset because they think they're underperforming with the millennial po- population. They think that they should do better with that age group. Okay. As far as the turnout for voting and everything. Yeah. Historically, they have. And and I've had conversations with Republicans that. They just say young people don't care about debt, and they're not having that conversation. <laughs> and I just, I kind of scratch my it's head. It's almost ridiculous. It is. And, and, and not to throw stones at no. anybody, but I do think that you bring something up that is really, really important. And not only, I mean, look at the county of Orange. 60% of the workforce is eligible for retirement in the next three to four years. Wow. They've been able to offer pensions great plans for them health plans right those things are going away in municipalities today how are you going to recruit the best and brightest to stay 20 to 30 years yeah i'm concerned about that and i and i think i think being a parent of two millennials uh dr chip espinoza that we did a pretty good job raising a generation that's going to redefine some elements of business and i think bring balance into the workforce and I, i I am overwhelmed at their skill level, and I, I'm on I'm on the side of saying they're misunderstood. They have more talent than we see. We, the boomers, may be the ones who have too many shades on our glasses that we can't see the reality of the future. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot to that. One thing I would caution millennials out there, or anybody, yes, is that I wonder when they're betting their own money if they'll have the stomach for entrepreneurship, all these different things. Wow that we're talking about today. Okay. And as long as the risk is not totally on them, will they be willing to, to, to put that risk out oh, there? Oh, okay. And, that, and that's something that I, I think deserves a discussion. I mean, we've put a real oh, emphasis. Point. We've put a real emphasis on safety yeah. in this generation. Right. And almost we've anesthetized them from all risk. kinds of things. Right. Risk. Right. And so... Th- oh. That's something. You bring that point up when I'm out of time on this radio show. <laughs> okay, another visit. The, the deepest thought we had today. That's my well, trick. There you go. Leave him wanting more. That's Dr. Chip Espinosa. Do you see, we just touched the surface on what this man knows. We're going to have to have you back to kind of explore that. Maybe you can research it and write a book, and we can look at it a little bit. Right. I think that's a fundamental issue that needs to be addressed, because we need entrepreneurship in this country. All right. Well, I'm... Thanks again for coming back. If someone wants to buy your books, what do you tell them to do? Go to Amazon.com. Of course. Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, Barnes and Noble. And do what? Just. What's your name? Chip Espinosa. Or you can go to um, millennials at work.com. Okay. We've we've got a Kickstarter campaign because oh, we're do? trying to get this book in every millennial's hand that we can. Okay. You can sign up there. There are all kinds of things you can. You get a key, buy a keynote from me where I can come and go speak to your group wow. Kickstarter. or book or well, whatever. How do they find it on Kickstarter? Uh, all you do is go to www.millennialsatwork and you spell out at. It won't work with that. Okay. You know, so millennialsatwork.com and there's a link right there okay. to go to the Kickstarter or to buy the book. And your last name is spelled how? E-S-P-I-N-O-Z-A. There you go. Dr. Chip Espinoza, thank you for giving again. And we are, I'm serious, I want to have you, our producers here in the studio. We're going to have you back at some okay. point, okay? Great. After you get back from your trips and all the other things that you're doing. Thanks for being a friend of the program. Right. Thank you, Richard. Uh, all right, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here because we are out of time. I'd like to thank our advertisers for supporting the show, Brandman University, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design. Smart Business Magazine, SNH Rubber, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. All the wonderful staff that helped to make this show so wonderful, starting with our producer, 
Uh, who, what's our producer's name? Crystal. Oh, that's right. She's sitting right here. Crystal Nunley. And the rest of the team. Thank you. We're out of time. I'm being rushed, so I've just got to end it. And if you'd like to learn more about us, Critical Mass for Business is our website. Until the next show, this is Rick Frenzy saying I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show. Focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 